Mm. Mm. I always like the residue after the healing services. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's get into the word, shall we? All right. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and let's look at verses 23 through 28 here. Oh, the Holy Spirit is absolutely honoring us just slowing down and getting into His presence. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> That's what church should be. It's a time of refocusing. Amen? I mean, all through the week, we go through a bunch of junk, right? But we got to come back. This is halftime. This is halftime. Come on, guys. Let's regroup and refocus. Amen? So Mark 1, 23 through 28. <clears throat> it says, Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, a demon. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What, we ha- what, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with, underline it, authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, the Word of God says in 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, if you look it up for yourself, it says that we as Christians can be partakers of the divine nature. Say divine nature. nature. Come on, you all tired out already? Come on. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. Come on, somebody. But listen, so we are to be partakers of the divine nature through the exceeding great and precious promises that are in the Word of God. And it goes on to say, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. If we are going to be partakers of the divine nature, we need to understand how can we accomplish that in our life. Don't, does someone want to know how to partake of the divine nature? Or are you, are you just settling with the flesh? Is that all right? You just want to settle with the worldliness and the junk? No, God has more for His children. Amen? All right, so we need to know some things. How do we accomplish that through those promises? We need to know what belongs to us. Amen? We need to know how to be equipped. Amen? We need to be, say equipped. We are soldiers, by the way. As a Christian, whether you like it or not, you're a soldier for Christ. And if a soldier goes into battle without everything he needs to be victorious, he's going to die. Are you hearing me? He's going to get overcome. And that ought not to happen to a child of living God. Amen? With everything that God has equipped us with. So here it is. I want to talk to you about two words, primarily two words today. All right? And it's authority and power. Jeannie, you mentioned that in that prophetic word. Authority. All right? Specifically... I used to do this in my revival days in hotel conference rooms, so I don't mind it. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. 
So I want to talk about delegated authority and power. I want you to have an understanding that we as Christians, we do have delegated authority through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And listen to this. Power is available. Say available. All right, so there is a difference, and I'll talk more about the power later. But I want you to get an understanding the difference between authority and power because many people just kind of lump them together. They are different, all right, amen? So it will help us to understand our role as an ambassador and a representative for Jesus Christ on what the difference is between those two, all right? So I want to start with authority. Say authority. Specifically, we're talking about delegated authority. So here it is. The Greek word that's translated authority means this. Oh, I like this. You got to come on, catch the spirit of this right here. It means this, a lawful right to enforce obedience. A lawful right to enforce obedience. I like that. There's some power built up in that. Amen. Here, now, delegated. So that's authority the lawful right to enforce obedience, but it's delegated authority. We need to know what delegated means. Are you ready for this? Delegated is defined as this, to entrust to another person, typically to one that is less senior. How many of you know Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords? We are his ambassadors. He's senior. Amen? All right. So he delegated it to us. It also means to send or authorize someone to do something as a representative. So an example of this, listen to this, of delegated authority is the police. I said police. Y'all wake out there. Listen, here we go. They have delegated authority. They have the lawful right to enforce obedience. All right, and the, here's 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 the delegated part. They have this authority. They have this lawful right. They have the backing of that government, of that local government, of that city, of that county, of the state. Are you following me? Yeah. Right. So go to Matthew twenty-eight. Matthew twenty-eight. The lawful right to enforce obedience. Mm, mm, mm. That just has a ring to it. I like it. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I like this because if I have to clear my throat, I can move it away. Great. All right, here we go. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying this. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So to understand your authority as a Christian, you need to understand that authority has been delegated or given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. All right? We have, listen, the lawful right to enforce obedience, here it is, in the spirit realm. That authority is talking about in the spirit realm. Say spirit realm you got to catch that. This is important because everything, again, has a spiritual root. 
Everything has, what you're seeing in the natural realm here, everything that's going on in your life right now, something happened in the spirit realm. Are you following me? Something was activated in in the, the natural realm is a manifestation of that. You understand that? So someone might say, oh, just in the spirit realm? Well, yeah, in the spirit realm, because the spirit realm affects the natural realm. You following me? All right, so Mark 11, 23 through 24, we shall speak unto this mountain, right? Say, be removed. So we have the lawful right to enforce obedience even to mountains. Now, here's the deal. This is talking about spiritual mountains. Now, remember, that authority we have is, is in the spirit realm. Amen? All right? So, just follow me. And when we have the Word of God backing it up, we have the entire kingdom of God backing us up. All right? There are things in our life that we have allowed to remain because of our failure to use our delegated authority through Christ. You have to use it. There's a book out called Use It or Lose It. Well, you don't really lose it, but you're going to lose ground if you don't use your authority in Christ. Amen? Now listen to this. So that authority is spiritual authority that Jesus gave to us. We cannot use that authority. Ready for this? Here's a warning. We cannot use that authority to control a person's free will. That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. If you're trying to control any person, that is flat out witchcraft. Amen? All right, so we are to use our delegated authority connected to the promises in the Word of God. Don't go outside of the boundaries of the Word of God when using your authority because you're going to be playing in the wrong kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 I want to take a look at. Oh, yeah. Witchcraft is very prevalent. And listen, I'm not just talking about the people that are doing rituals and into the religion of witchcraft. Witchcraft is trying to control someone's will. Are you following me? We don't do that. All right. All right. So Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, listen to this, this is powerful, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. All three realms, heaven, earth, and hell. Come on, somebody. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Because of Jesus humbling himself and coming to this earth as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost, he was obedient, come on, he was obedient to the death of the cross, right? He was a spotless lamb of God. Because of his obedience, because of his humility, it says his heavenly father exalted him. 
Now listen to me. I want you to point out in that passage that he humbled himself and he was obedient. Humility, when we talk about humility, it is obedience to the word and the will of God. Amen? It says, let this mind be in you. It's saying, be obedient. Have a thought life that is always bent toward being obedient to the word of God. Are you following me? Jesus is our example in all things. Amen? You don't have to try to be like your favorite preacher. Try to be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are you following me? All right. So in the decisions that you will make in life, listen to this. There is the will of God and there's the will of the devil. Even your own will is the will of the enemy. Because the enemy is good with you choosing anything that's not the will of God. Are you following me? So anytime you're going outside of the will of God, just know, oh, I'm just doing my own thing. No, you're doing what the devil wants you to do. You following me? So God is looking for simple obedience to his word and to his will. Two things we need to obey. We need to obey the general commands in the word of God. I talked about that last night. The word of God gives a general, what every Christian needs to do. But then you need to obey the specific instructions from the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Say specific. That's where many Christians get tripped up. Amen. We need to hear from the Holy Ghost on what to do in our own personal life, with our life, our jobs, our family, everything. You following me? So in all the heavens and earth, there is none higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death. Even time is separated by the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the atheist chew on that one. Amen. I love that. So, here we go. So, the Greek word that's translated highly exalted in Philippians 2 means this. To be exalted to the highest position. The highest position. I like that. Amen? In all heavens and earth, there is none higher than him. Verse 10 through 11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee. There, so, here's what you got to understand it, is this. There's more reverence to the name of Jesus in the enemy's camp than in the church. Are you following me? That's a sad thing, isn't it? We need to have a reverence for the name of Jesus. Glorifying Jesus, listen to this, glorifies the Father who sent Jesus. Are you following me? Honoring the Holy Spirit honors Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit. Can you see the flow here? Oh, my goodness. Do I need to hand out pillows and blankets here today? What's up here? (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm just teasing. All right. So those in heaven and earth and hell all respond to the lordship of Jesus Christ. When the name of Jesus is, is spoken in faith, it disrupts Satan's kingdom. It disrupts Satan's kingdom on this earth. Amen? So what about on earth, though? What is our role as Christians? Go to Ephesians 1, verse 18 through 23. Ephesians 1 says that, uh, we, as Jesus' body, we sit in heavenly places. Now, that's talking about spiritual authority, spiritual position. Amen? And we need to know our position in Christ. Now, I'm going to point something out here in a moment that's pretty powerful, something that a lot of people don't see. Um, so, Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. 
It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above, say far above, not just a little, far above, all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put some things under his feet. Oh, oh, did I read that wrong? He, oh, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, The Holy Spirit, through Paul here, is trying to reveal to us how much authority that we have through faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Say, I got to believe. Listen, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but this passage is talking about power as well. This is taken into account. Listen, all these things that it's talking about there is taking for granted this. Are you ready? That you receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Come on, somebody. That's taking into that's taken for granted there that you have obeyed the word of God, that you've, you're born again, and you have received the Holy Spirit baptism. Because unless you have the Holy Ghost baptism, you're not going to tap into all those wonderful things that it's talking about. Are you following me? All right. So the church, listen to this. The church, Christians, are, is, are Jesus' body on the earth, or is Jesus' body on the earth. And then it goes on to say that his body, listen to this, is the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know what that's saying? It's, let's break that down. It's literally saying this, that Jesus' authority is incomplete without the church enforcing his authority on the earth. It says the body of Christ is the fullness of him. Let me let you in on a little secret. Jesus is not coming back down to this earth to cast out demons. Jesus is not coming down to this earth to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. No, no, no. He said the body of Christ fills. Without you advancing the kingdom of God, it does not happen. And Jesus takes offense to that. Think about that. Can you imagine Jesus up there, you know, when a Christian doesn't want to advance the kingdom of God, they're tied up with the things of the world. Can you imagine just just shaking his head thinking, I went to a cross so they could go hang out in the world? I hung on a cross so they could do what they want to do while people are going to hell in a handbasket. Are you following me? Thanks. That's okay. She looks out for me. So listen, he is the, I'm not offended. He, I'm humble. I'm humble. He is the head and we are his body. We are Jesus. Literally, we are literally Jesus's hands and feet on this earth. If we don't do it, the job doesn't get done. Amen. Again, he's not going to come down here. So this tells us then that when the enemy sees us minister, do you know who he really sees? Jesus in us. That's why we have authority. 
That's why demons tremble when you walk in your authority and boldness. Come on, somebody. Because, listen, they're not seeing you. They're not seeing Ron. They're seeing Jesus, King Jesus, through the Holy Ghost in you. They see the anointing radiating off of your life. And that's what torments the enemy. Amen? Now, so here's what you got to understand then. Oh, we're going to go deeper. Say deeper. The kingdom of darkness recognizes spiritual authority. Now, here's the deal. You must have faith to use your spiritual authority. Did you know that? You must have faith. This kind, how about that scripture? I'm not going to read it, but the scripture where the disciples could not cast the demon out of a person. Remember that? Jesus got upset and he said, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Remember that? Okay, are you with me? Listen to this. So this kind will not come out by prayer and fasting. The problem was a lack of faith. Jesus said, oh, faithless, faithless generation, how long shall I live with, you know, be with you or you're going to, how long you deal with this, whatever. But the problem was a lack of faith in the, in the disciples that were trying to minister. So this tells me this. Are you ready for this? Remember, they could not cast that demon out. The demons recognized. So there's obviously a faith problem. That the demons recognized and said, I don't have to obey you. Faith must be connected. to. You need to know your spiritual authority for it to be effective. Here's the deal. So demons must, uh, must be cast out with faith in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of darkness recognizes if you're walking in faith or not. Like that scripture I read in Acts 14 last night, Paul said he could see the faith building up on the person. Remember that? He could see the faith. Well, just that's in the natural realm. He could see it in the natural happening. So can you imagine? So faith is a spiritual thing. So all the demons, all the evil spirits, all the kingdom of darkness recognize if you know your, your spiritual authority or not. And it obviously matters because the disciples couldn't cast that demon out because of a lack of faith. And that's what Jesus said. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. The prayer and fasting wasn't going to change the demon's mind. The prayer and fasting helped the minister build faith to deal with it and to cast it out. Are you following me? All right. So. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors or representatives for Christ. So we have the full backing of Jesus Christ. We have the full backing of heaven, the kingdom of God, to go out in this world in the name of Jesus. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You have to, you know, put a little something into it. When you're ministering to someone and you're trying to cast a demon out, you're coming against a sickness or disease, put some oomph into it. Pastor James, why do you always yell? Why do you do Because I'm angry at the devil. I'm angry at what the devil's doing to people. Come on, somebody. Amen? All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. If I can find it. There it is. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Say reconciliation. Reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, here it is. 
We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Uh, For he made him who knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So here we go. God has given us, the church, the ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't matter. Are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you a teacher? Whatever you are. Guess what? We all have. The goal is this, to have the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ, building people up. Are you following me? All right, so here we go. Listen to this. Reconciliation, here it is, is the process by which God and man are brought back together. All right? It is defined as this. I love this definition of restoration. The re- or, uh, reconciliation. The restoration of friendly relations. The, oh, man, listen to this. The restoration of friendly relations. Mm, say friendly. I don't know about you, but I want God to be my friend. And I want to be his friend. I don't want to make him mad. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want him to be on my side. Amen. God is counting on the church, the body of Christ, to accomplish this by preaching the word of God, by being a witness. Come on, somebody. Prayer, all of these things. So we have the authority of heaven to pull down and display Satan's kingdom and promote the kingdom of God on this earth. We have been given authority through the Lord Jesus Christ, through all the power of the enemy. Say all. all. You need to know that. If you don't know that, you're going you're gonna to get run over. You're going to let things come into your life that ought not to be there. Amen. Amen? So I want to contrast the authority and power of the Christian. So, again, authority is the lawful right to enforce obedience. We have a badge, and his name is Jesus, and we've been sealed with the Holy Ghost. Amen? So here we go. Power, on the other hand, is the ability and strength to act. You see the difference? Authority is the lawful right to do something, but power now is the ability and the strength to do something. So a a policeman, uh, he has the authority or lawful right to stop the car, but he doesn't have the power to step in front of it. He'll get run over and killed. Are you following me? If that that policeman can get in front of a car and he can go like this, stop but he doesn't have the power to stop it. Are you following me? Mm. So, there are four different Greek words that have been translated power, okay? Some words have been translated power where authority would have been a better choice in the translation, all right? That's why it's so important to study the Word of God, study the Greek, study the Hebrew, okay? All right, the one word that's translated power that I want to zoom in on as we talk about it before is dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. Say dynamite. dynamite. So it means the ability force, supernatural energy, or miraculous power, might, and strength. Now let's look at a passage that talks about dunamis. Go to Acts 1.8. Go to Acts 1.8. Say dunamis. dunamis. Come on. I like, I like that. Power. Supernatural power and energy. Amen. 
Acts 1.8. And it says, Jesus said these words, But you shall receive power, or dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the world, or end of the earth. All right? So, the Holy Spirit baptism literally gives us dunamis. He gives us dunamis. He gives us the ability. He gives us force. He gives us supernatural energy, miraculous power. He gives us might. He gives us a strength for one reason and one reason only, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You know, we always say, well, I'm going to go witness to someone. No, really what you are doing is you're the witness. Are you following me? You're the witness. You're the sign and a wonder. That's what the Holy Spirit makes us. Amen? So it makes us, uh, the Holy Spirit makes or equips us to be a witness. Now here, what's a witness mean? You ready for this? Listen to this. Witness is defined as this, evidence or proof. Say evidence and proof. The Holy Spirit makes us as Christians evidence and proof that points people to Jesus, that he has changed our life. That's being a witness for Christ. It's not just going out and, do you know Jesus? Do you know? That's not be. Uh, no, being a witness means your whole life reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of that reflection of him is the dunamis or the power of God. If the power of God's not flowing in our life when we're presenting the gospel, we're giving them a false gospel. Think about that. Because the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in what? Power. Say power. power. Hallelujah. So, here we go. Another definition of witness is this. Listen to this. To have knowledge of an event or a change. From personal observation to experience. To experience. So you being a witness is saying this. I just don't know about it up here. I'm experiencing it. And you're being a witness and pointing people to Jesus. You're saying my life is changed because of what Jesus and the Holy Ghost has done in my life. Amen? So the Holy Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us through the Holy Spirit baptism equips us to properly represent Jesus. We cannot get the job done without the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it this way. You ready for this? It's standard equipment for the Christian. Everybody wants to make the Holy Spirit baptism an option. No, God looks at it as standard equipment. For the soldier of Jesus Christ. You're a soldier. Amen? The Holy Spirit helps us to fully represent Jesus and the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now, now you know why the, the kingdom of darkness fights the baptism and the Holy Spirit teaching so much. Because it gives you power. It makes you a witness. It, it takes you from just being a witness. How do you know Jesus? To I am a witness. My life has changed. I'm delivered. I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm on fire for the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're all laying hands on the sick. We're watching them recover. That's the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. 
Every Christian, you ready for this? Every Christian has authority through the Lord Jesus Christ, but not every Christian has the power because they have not received the Holy Spirit baptism. Every Christian has authority, but not every Christian has the power. We need both. If we're going to be effective, listen, and you can do wonderful things with the authority. I mean, look at Billy Graham was used, all right? Now, I'm using his, him and his, as an example because him and Oral Roberts, they always talked about it that they, uh, Oral Roberts always tried to talk Billy Graham and teach him about the Holy Spirit baptism, but he never got there. So Billy Graham, he operated in the authority and God used him in a mighty way, right? So God will use you. My point is this, how much more could he have done with the power? Say power. So I'm not cutting him down. I mean, he's done, he did great things and many came to Christ. Praise God. But there's more. Don't let go of the more. Amen. So there is a piece of the puzzle missing in many Christians' lives, and that's the Holy Spirit baptism. Go to 2 Timothy real quick. 2 Timothy. I mean, it's public knowledge that him and Oral Roberts always talked about it. So, I mean, that's no inside information there. Although I did work at the Oral Roberts University when I went to Rama with the Abundant Life Prayer Group. I worked in the prayer tower and on the Hour of Healing television set there as a prayer partner. Eight hours a day praying with people. That was powerful. We've seen some amazing miracles in that place. There really is a healing anointing on Oral Roberts uh, ministry down there. All right, so here we go. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and it says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. You know, maybe we we should write all these down and put them on our refrigerator and say, "Ah, am I any of these (laughs) today? I better not be any of these, right? Come on, somebody. Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here it is, verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its what? Power. We need the power. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit baptism, this is what he showed me. The Holy Spirit baptism was not as rejected in the early church as it is today. Back then in the early church, the Holy Spirit said, it was more of just a lack of knowledge. And when they found out that it was the will of God, they received. They didn't fight it. But it says here, it says right here that in the last times, there, you know, it lists all these things. And it says in verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. So there is even more of a rejection of the power of God today than there was in the early church in the book of Acts. Are you following me? That's why I'm always saying we need to go back to the early church mentality. If we find something and have proof in the word of God that God wants us to have it, You have no business rejecting it. We need to receive it. Amen? So, yeah, once they found out about it, they wanted it. Oh, I've only been baptized in John's baptism. Oh, well, let me tell you about, you know, being baptized in the name of the uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you about the second experience, the Holy Spirit baptism. 
Oh, great. Let's do this. That's the attitude that we as Christians need to have. Amen. So you cannot walk in the fullness of the anointing and power without receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus, understand this truth in his earthly ministry. Go to Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38. And listen, receiving the Holy Spirit baptism several ways. You can either ask God in faith, just ask him, or someone who's baptized in the Holy Ghost lays hands on you to receive. That's another avenue. Or guess what? Maybe as you're hearing this message, the Holy Ghost just falls on you and you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Three different ways I see in the Word of God where the Holy Spirit fell on someone without anybody doing anything, laying out of hands, or someone asking. All right, you get it? Acts 10.38. All right. And it says these words, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, or dunamis, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So listen, Jesus would have not been able to do everything. that. In fact, he didn't do one miracle until he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. What do you mean? Jesus received the Holy Spirit baptism? Yes. Remember, he was baptized in water. When he came out, it said the Holy Spirit came upon him. See, when you got saved, uh, the Holy Spirit comes in you, but the second experience is where he comes upon. There's a within and there's an upon. And he came upon Jesus. And when Jesus received the Holy Spirit baptism, because he is our example, are you following me? That's when the miracle started. That's when, ooh, there was a shift. Amen? Say shift. So he ministered as a man on this earth, anointed with the Holy Spirit. All right? The Holy Spirit baptism is necessary and important. But here's what's equally important in your life, is staying filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's, so there's the Holy Spirit baptism, which is a one-time experience. You ask God, you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, it's done. You don't have to do it again. But the staying filled with the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians talks about, staying filled. We need to stay filled on the inside with the Holy Ghost. Sing it to yourselves in spiritual hymns and song, yeah, that verse. So the Holy Spirit baptism is a one-time experience, all right? But we need to continually stay filled. Get into the Word. Stay in prayer. Start making up some spiritual songs in the shower. I don't care. Whatever you got to do. Go to Romans. Romans 15. Hallelujah. Oh, I can't sing. Well, just go ahead and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He'll, he, he's good with that. Amen? Look at this. Romans fifteen 13. We're doing great on time. All right, here we go. It says this. Now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power, power of the Holy Spirit. It is the dunamis power or ability given by the Holy Spirit to abound in hope in the face of a negative circumstance. Have you ever encountered that? Something happened to you. I mean, it was a horrible experience, but all of a sudden a joy rose up in your heart. You started to get hope on the inside of you. Have you ever had anything like that? That happened to me when I went into, when my mom passed away, when we walked into the first uh, day of the showing her, you know, in her casket, man, I'm, I'm, I'm outside. I'm thinking, how am I going to handle this? You know, and I walk in and I kid you not, a blanket of peace came all over me. 
And, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, it won't be long. You'll be reunited again. Just keep moving forward with me. Just keep moving. But it was such a peace. I feel the anointing even say it. There was such a peace. that That's the Holy Spirit. That's his power giving you strength and the ability to endure such a thing. There is nothing on this earth that you can go through that the Holy Spirit can't give you the strength to make it through. Amen? There is no hopeless situation with God. Amen? So the Holy Spirit in this verse, it says he imparts a joy a peace and a hope. Only the Holy Ghost can do that in a circumstance like that, especially tragedy like that. Amen? Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Oh, I like this. Hallelujah. It says, Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 uses the word dunamis. Dunamis. According to the ability or the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. It says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. I guarantee you most people when they read that, they just pass right over that word. It said he's able if you believe. When the word of God uses able, it means there's a choice. Are you going to believe him? He's able to do it. Are you going to believe? Come on, somebody. I believe also that this is talking about it means several things, but I believe part of it is also talking about praying in the spirit, praying in tongues above what we could ask or think because our natural mind does not know what to ask or think in many situations, does it? And that's where praying in tongues comes in because it's a bypass of your limited natural mind. It's your spirit man connecting with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Say bypass. I love bypass. So you are able to accomplish any task the Lord has destined for you in this life when you allow the Holy Spirit's power and ability to work in and upon and through you. Amen? 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Okay? All right? So I want to point something out here. I said it before. It's been a long time. But that scripture is not saying that a Christian cannot be in bondage to a spirit of fear, but it's pointing out that God has nothing to do with it if it's there. God's saying, if you're not, don't have that power, love, and a sound mind, the enemy's at work. Are you following me? So here in this scripture, the Lord is, is making very clear here, he's making a distinction between the characteristics of the spirit of fear and the Holy Spirit. He's saying when the Holy Spirit's at work in you, come on, you're going to have power, love, and a sound mind. And I find it interesting. It says perfect love casts out fear. Amen? So I want you know, so it's contrasting. Many people have never seen it like that before. But 
You plus the Holy Spirit is a majority in any situation in your life. The key is this. The key is not to get a whole bunch of people gathered around you to see your point of view. The victory is this. You connecting with the will of God. You connecting with the Holy Ghost who has that power. Amen? Who has that dunamis. We need that dunamis in our life. Now let's look at some uh, scriptures that pertain to our authority as a Christian. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Almost done here. Just one and a half pages left. Boy, this has been a powerful weekend though, hasn't it? Wow. Some of y'all are going to have some great naps this afternoon. <laughs> We're actually going to Frankenmuth after this for the night over to... Uh, overnight, and we're going to hang out in the hot tub and pool. It's from the gift of the um, the pastor's appreciation. So thank you all. You guys made that possible. We're like, yeah, that'd be a, probably a good night to do it after a long weekend of ministry. So, so I'll be in the hot tub in case you need me, okay? Yes, I will. <laughs> okay, here we go. So Luke 10, 17 through 20, listen to this. It says, then the uh, 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority, say authority, authority, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Oh my goodness. That's powerful. Authority over all the power of the enemy. Did you catch that? Authority over all the power of the enemy. Here it is. You ready for this? Just our, as Christians, just our authority is greater than the power of the enemy. Our authority is greater than the power of the enemy. Did you catch that? Now, so you must have faith and believe. Remember, if you're going to use your spiritual authority, you have to believe you have it through Jesus. Or else the devil's not going to take you serious. Amen? But just your authority through Jesus Christ alone is greater than the power or the ability of Satan and evil spirits. Man, I like that. That's why there's this one thing going around. Someone wrote a book that said, oh, you ought not to be you know, praying against the principalities and powers over a region. And, and I'm like, did this dude not read this scripture? He must have forgot that one, right? So all that, all that teaching does is it, is it makes people fearful. Oh, I'm going to pray against this and I'm going to get attacked. No, no, no. You go into it with this scripture in mind. You have all authority over the power of the enemy. Amen? Amen. Remember, here's where you got to understand too. This is not you doing this. When you're speaking in authority, they see Jesus. They see Jesus coming through you. Amen? So when you're, when you're dealing, when you're in prayer, when you're casting out a devil, when you're praying over the sick, just know that they are seeing Jesus in you. See, that'll build your faith. Because now, guess what? Now it's not about your ability. It's about his. We are just going forward in his name. Amen? So that is why the word of God says in 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
Christians without the Holy Spirit baptism, they are greater than the power of the enemy still. So someone who hasn't received the Holy Spirit baptism, you still can do some wonderful things. But you can do more. We need the more. I mean, we're living, look, look at this society that we're living in. We need more. Amen? We need more of God, not less of him. We need more of him. All right? Uh, so Satan and evil spirits, they recognize the authority that we have through Jesus Christ. Go to Mark chapter 3. Everything in the spirit realm recognizes the authority of Jesus Christ. All right? Everything in the spirit realm, uh, they know it. Now, now hold off on that. Go to Mark 3. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Mark 3, 13 through 15. Let's take a look at here. Mark 3, 13 through 15. And it says, And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. All right. Now, in verse 15, the Greek word that's translated power. Remember how I said some, were, some say power where maybe authority would be a better. The Greek word there is exousia, which literally means authority or the right to act or the privilege to act. Now listen, so authority would be a better word there. Okay, you following me? Jesus gave, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus gave authority to the 12, to the 70. And, but listen to this, you know something? They did not have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It, you catch that? Did you follow that? It said that Jesus gave them authority, or exousia, the right or privilege to act. They, the 12 and the 70 did not have the Holy Spirit baptism yet. Oh, I see little light bulbs going off all over the place here. All right. So if you add dunamis now, if you add dunamis, power, ability, strength, miraculous energy from the Holy Spirit to that authority, it is explosive power to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? We See, we are the church this side of the cross. We are so blessed to have the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm coming out with a book called Holy Spirit Handbook. This thing is going to be lit. All right? It's going to be powerful. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you get more in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's over 200 pages. It's going to be coming out soon. But we as Holy uh, Spirit-baptized Christians, we not only have that supernatural power and ability, but we have that authority, that privilege to do it. Now, the last scripture is Mark 16. Go there with me. Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, 15 through 18. Hallelujah. Let's bring this home. We're on final approach. Amen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So these signs will follow those who 
believe. You must believe for these things to happen in your life. You following me? So we as Christians are equipped with delegated authority and Holy Spirit power. If you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, we have the lawful right to enforce obedience in the spirit realm, which impacts the natural realm around us. We have all of heaven, all of heaven backing us up when we speak and act in the all-powerful name of Jesus. Amen? So now, let's go out of this place today with boldness and faith and act on that delegated authority, move some mountains, release the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you for your word. You're trying to show us what we have, and not just what we have, but you want us to use it. Use it. Holy Spirit, thank you for equipping us. Hallelujah. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Today is the day of salvation. Do not wait. Do not wait. You're playing roulette. You, Oh, come on, somebody. You are playing games with your eternity. You need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life right now. If you got breath in your lungs, you come to this altar and let's get you born again here in the name of Jesus. Now, maybe you need to rededicate your life. You've dropped dead right now. You have no confidence. You go to be with the Lord. We need to switch that because the Bible says you should know. You should know. You should have peace. You should have joy on the inside of you because of your salvation through Christ. Amen. So if you're not feeling that confidence of your salvation, there's a short in the system. Something happened there. If you once made him Lord of your life, something happened. Something happened that took that joy out. Something happened that you feel disconnected from your heavenly father. Come to this altar. Let's just pray about it. Let's get you reconnected in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. You need it, as you heard today. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come to this altar. And I want to pray with you. Let's talk about it. Let's get you praying in tongues. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. It's a now experience, this side of Pentecost. Now, if you need prayer for healing, uh, you didn't come last night. You need more prayer, whatever. We'll stay here as long as we can. And uh, But visitors, thank you so much. Man, we have a pretty good crowd again today, don't we? Continue to pray for Stu, by the way, okay? And let's see him get healed and and back on his feet. Amen? Amen. All right, visitors, by the way, uh, there's a card in front of you. Fill it out. Just put it in the suggestion box in the back. That would be awesome. Living Waters, we are moving forward like never before. Amen? Let's advance the kingdom. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you. Love you all.